Do you start off every new year with some goals related to changing your body? Do you have some food habits or body image habits that you often change? Well, I'm appropriately putting this episode out there during a time when we start talking about things like 30-day shreds. In this episode, I have a conversation with Heather Creekmore about body image and the biblical approach. And we're going to talk about how we can undo what dieting has done to our minds and our bodies and how we can take an approach that's biblical and yet focused on honoring the Lord and it has nothing to do with making your body smaller. It has to do with finding peace and freedom around food and exercise and all things related to it. So step inside. On Life Repurposed, you'll find a blend of practical wisdom and biblical inspiration that's designed to help you navigate everyday life with faith, purpose, and hope. We focus on personal and spiritual growth with a range of topics from improving your relationships and discovering your purpose to setting and achieving goals, plus tools and resources to help you live your repurposed life. I'm your host, Michelle Rayburn the author of books and Bible studies about finding hope in the trashy stuff of life. Author, podcaster, and coach Heather Creekmore writes and speaks hope to a woman's struggle with body image and comparison. She's the author of four books and has been featured on dozens of shows and podcasts, but is best recognized from her appearance on the Netflix show Nailed It!, Heather and her fighter pilot turned pastor husband, Eric, have four children and live in Austin. Now, Heather has been on the Life Repurpose podcast before, and we've talked about Compared to Who, which is her podcast and one of her books. And today we're going to be talking about the idea of body image. So I've invited Heather back because I wanted to talk about this, especially because it's something that as we move into the new year here. I see a lot of people start to make goals related to their bodies, and I wanted to hear Heather's perspective on that because she has said that God has turned around the trashy way that she used to think about her body, and she has learned to treat it in a different way. And so we're going to hear Heather's story, and I'm excited to hear it and be encouraged by it myself because I can relate to a lot of Heather's struggles. Heather's book is called The 40-Day Body Image Workbook. Hope for Christian Women Who've Tried Everything. So here's my chat with Heather Creekmore. I'd love to know what part of your personal journey led you to become a coach that talks about body image. Michelle, I joke that this is the one thing. If you had told me 20 years ago, this is what I would be doing now, (laughs) talking about like my innermost secrets to body image issues, like I would have been like, yeah, no, no, thank you. (laughs) Not what's going to happen. My journey started in elementary school. I remember distinctly, and I may have shared this on your show before even, that I remember looking in the mirror in third grade and thinking my legs were too big. And so what that Mm -hmm. launched for me was a pattern of thinking and believing that my body just wasn't right and that I needed to fix it. Mm -hmm. And every woman I knew was fixing their body. So I really kind of thought that was just part of becoming a woman, right? Like, oh, it stinks to grow Mm -hmm. up because once you're become a woman, you've got this added <laughs> responsibility of of trying to make your body better. And so by middle school, I was dieting. And by high school, I was trying um, really uh, uh, the overachievers diet. And I'm saying that sarcastically, but um, mm-hmm. I was seeing how long it could go without eating. 
And by the time I got mm. to college, my sophomore year of college, I lost my period for nine months. And now that I'm in the field and do this work, I recognize that I probably had something called hypothalamic amenorrhea. I lost my period because I wasn't eating enough. Mm -hmm. um, but at the time, they just thought it was stress. You're a college student, you're stressed. And there were only two categories of eating disorders. And I wasn't bulimic because I wasn't able to purge. And I wasn't anorexic because I wasn't underweight. And so I, eating disorder had never even been on my radar, it really, until like six or seven years ago. Like, I... I just I thought it was normal. Everyone I know diet, right? Everyone I know is restricting some certain food or eating yeah. the way the Instagram yeah, exactly. influencers tell us to eat, right? You know, right. well, this month we're not eating carbs. Oh, this month, you know, we're not yeah. eating this food. And um, and so my journey really got interrupted, I would say, in my 30s. I had had four babies. I got married. And, and these were things that I believed would fix my body image issues. I mean, that might sound a little silly, but I really, part of me thought that I had body image issues because I didn't have a man who had said I was mm. good enough physically. And so that I got married and, you know, it didn't work. <laughs> and that caused all kinds of marital issues for us because I was mad at him that it didn't work. I thought he was doing something wrong. <laughs> and I really thought even having kids would help my body image issues because I believed that trying to keep a person alive was such an important task. That all the <laughs> mental space and energy that I had filled with thinking about calories and how much I was eating and what I needed to do to be thin, you know, I thought that that would be consumed by taking care of babies mm. and that I would be free that way. And it, it didn't work. None of those strategies worked. Mm. Instead, really what happened was I was in my mid-30s. My husband was preparing to plant a church and he was listening to preachers. And this was before anyone had air airpods and so if he wanted to listen to a sermon he had to blare it through the house and <laughs> i remember michelle cleaning my kitchen and hearing dr tim keller talk about modern day idolatry and i i didn't hear the holy spirit or god audibly but i remember the holy feeling like the holy spirit whispered to me heather this is your problem heather mm -hmm. this is why you have been so obsessed for so many years about changing your body. You've made it an idol. Mm -hmm. And that changed everything for me. And, mm -hmm. you know, I'd love to say that I woke up the next morning and I didn't care what I weighed or what I looked like, but that wouldn't be true. <laughs> it's been a journey. Um, even even in the last three years since I was on your show before, God had, mm -hmm. I thought I had arrived somewhere. And, you know, God's laughing at us every time we think we've arrived. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. He has so much more to teach me, and I know he still does. But that's, yeah, that's my journey in a nutshell. It was really one of being a woman who was a Christian. I professed Jesus. I knew I was fearfully and wonderfully made. I knew God looked at my heart, not my gene size. And yet the mission of my life quietly, secretly that no one knew was to get a better body because I really believed what that would do for me was that would give me the joy, the peace, the love. The affection that I longed for and, and really that that would give me rest, right? Because I, I don't think anyone goes mm -hmm. on a diet to be on a diet for the rest of their life. You go on a diet because you believe the promise of the diet that after the end of the diet, you'll be able to rest. You'll just be able to sit there and mm -hmm. just savor your results. And then reality is we know that's not true, right? Like, you know, yeah. if you take that after picture and you only look like that after picture for the 10 mm -hmm. seconds that it took you to take the picture, right? Then you got, <laughs> right. you know. You, but you know, Heather, they call it a live it, you know. Right. 
Right. <laughs> it's like, it's supposed to be forever. And and yet, who has that worked for? Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, Not me. <laughs> it, it's, I mean, I, I don't know anyone that it's worked for. Mm-hmm. And yet, I mean, I love that we're, we're having this conversation right before New Year's because that is what I believed year after year after year. And, you know, mm-hmm. they, they joke about the definition of, definition of insanity, being mm-hmm. doing the same thing over and again, expecting different results. And I mean, Michelle, the top of my New Year's resolution list every year was like lose the weight. And whatever the flavor of the year was, like this is how everyone's <laughs> dieting this mm-hmm. year. I'm I was ready to try it, right? And I was gonna mm-hmm. get all my gumption up in January and I was gonna, you know, make my fists real tight. I was gonna white knuckle it this time, this year, this was gonna be my year. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> Oh, I'm right there with you. So you know what, Heather, you have actually been a significant part of my journey. I don't know if I've specifically told you this, but when you came on the show, I was still dieting. I was still setting those goals. I was still tracking. I was doing all these things, trying to make my body smaller. And I think you were the first person I had a conversation with that was exploring something different. And so that led me on a journey of exploring something different. And eventually, about a year and a half ago, giving up dieting altogether and changing the focus. I started following some of the same people that you follow and some podcasts that speak to those things, got some books. And it really was when I got to the end of myself and said, same thing. I realized this has become idolatry. All of that spoke to me. Your your podcast episodes on gluttony have also been really significant, Thanks. and you cover some of that in your new book. Um, so all of that has been part of my own journey. And so the reason I'm passionate about having you on here today is to have somebody else who's listening to say, maybe this is what I need to do. Maybe I need to let all that stuff go yeah, I love that. and focus on something new. Now, when I first gave up, focusing on food, body image is still one of my biggest struggles because we have to still put clothes on every day. (laughs) This is true. (laughs) And we have to decide how do they feel? How do they look? And one of the things people often say, and I'd like to get your, your take on this, is they tell other women, tell women they look good. Um, This sometimes comes after their body has become smaller. And this is, you know, People say, you look so good. And I think, well, why didn't they tell me before the other opinion they had on my body? Yeah. But also um, uh, equating like this word good with health or something else. So what right. is your what is your thought on people saying to someone else, those three words, you look good? Oh, it's so tricky, right? Because it just comes out. <laughs> yeah. Right? I, and so, you know, I, I would never want to shame or condemn anyone mm-hmm. that I, I think I was trained in that way, right? Because that was so yeah. important in my family of origin. That's the way that, you know, you walked into grandma's house and that's what was said <laughs> or not said, right? And the same yeah. with, with seeing my parents still with my mom, you know, that said or it's not set. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, right. and it's noticed yeah. by me. And so I, I get you when you're in a room full of women and you hear someone make their compliment to someone else and that's not being said to you, oh, oh goodness, the spiral begins. 
And so generally, right, the people that like I follow and that you're following now would say things like you just don't comment on people's bodies, right? You don't comment on people's bodies. And and so I agree with that, right? Like it's best for us not to comment on people's bodies, but then it gets so nuanced. <laughs> it does. Right? It really does. Yeah, because, it, you know, I actually just answered this question on my podcast. Um, a woman had a coworker who had lost a bunch of weight and everyone was, you know, complimenting her and telling her how good she looked. And she's like, I'm the only person who didn't say anything. And in that scenario, how do I look? I look like I'm like jealous, right? And oh, yeah, yeah, of yeah. her or, you know, like I'm not happy for her, like I'm angry with her. Like, and so she's like, what should I do? And I actually suggested for her that she pull the friend aside and say, you do look really good. And yet I'm worried about you, <laughs> right? <laughs> because I believe your value is so much more than what you look like. And I'm worried mm -hmm. that you've become maybe too focused on, on trying to get your body a certain way. And I just want you to know, I love you no matter how your body looks. And, mm -hmm. you know, and instead of doing the like, I, I think we reinforce myth when we say things like, wow, like you've got such willpower or wow, like you're so like, I don't know, um, strong to be able to accomplish yeah. this weight loss goal. And it's like, no, like that, we have to change the metrics around that, right? Because mm -hmm. <laughs> really our, our, our body's job is to keep us alive, right? And so the person who successfully shrinks their body, their biology is helping them in some way. Now, we do know from, from there's all kinds of data out there, Michelle, and I'm sure you've heard the data too and read the books, 95% of diets fail. You mm -hmm. literally have a 5% chance of keeping the weight off. And it the numbers really like drop off after two years, but five years is when that 95% kicks in full blown. Right. So only 5% of people that lose a good amount of weight are going to keep it off for five years at the most. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think just anecdotally, right, we don't need a study yeah. to like look around at our, our peer groups, right? And we've seen, oh, she lost a bunch of weight. Oh, she's kind of gained it back. Oh, she lost a bunch of weight. Oh, she's kind of gained it back. Like we've watched women walk through this. We walk through this ourselves. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it's not a failure on our part when we gain it back. It's the way our bodies are created to protect us. It's the diet that are failing if they only work 5% of the time. It's not the people. And so, so to your original question, I do think we have to stop saying things like, you know, good work. You're so disciplined. Oh, you know, I, I admire mm. you. Like, like we set the woman who can show up at the party and not eat the cake, we like set her up on a pedestal. <laughs> we say, wow, if only I could just be like her and say no to the cake, right? But, but it's not it's not the right thing to praise and worship, right? C.S. Lewis in Screwtape mm -hmm. Letters talks about the gluttony of delicacy. And I was just like stunned. I just you just read this in the last, within the last couple of years because I was like, the gluttony of delicacy, like what in the world? Right. Like we only talk about gluttony as like, you know, overeating, overindulging. <laughs> and Lewis specifically talks about this woman and his, in the scenario he's created, right? 
that that's like, oh my, I couldn't possibly have another biscuit. You know, I'm quite full from this tea, right? <laughs> and it's like in our economy, that's praise. And C.S. Lewis is saying, mm, that's kind of gluttonous because it's not hospitable. We're not loving people well. And that doesn't mean you have to always eat the cake, right? <laughs> but it, it does mean that, and you've seen this, and I've seen it, and I've done it. I should self, self, uh, self, you know, confess here. But the person who goes to the party and says, I can't eat that, is separated from the group, right? Mm-hmm. She's setting herself apart. She's, she's not part of the hospitality that's happening because of her food rule. Now, of course, mm-hmm. there's, you know, some people can't eat things for health reasons. Yeah, I can't right. eat gluten. Right. So exactly. I know what it's like to try to not like, oh, boy. <laughs> Absolutely. And so yeah. obviously, like exceptions to that rule. But mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm just talking about when we decide that our food rules are more important than loving others well. Yes. Yeah. C.S. Lewis says we've crossed into gluttony then. It's like, wow, that's that's paradigm changing. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So along that line, I'd love to know how you define destructive beliefs and thought mm-hmm. patterns, because I know that that's significant in the context of body image. So what have you discovered is that border between what makes something a destructive belief or thought pattern? You know, if if our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, okay, and if God made our bodies good, then anytime I have a thought or belief about my body where I am saying my body is not good enough, my body was not made correctly, there's something wrong with my body and the way it was made and the way I look and the way I appear to others. Um, In some ways, I'm saying kind of an injustice was served, right? Like God made me Mm -hmm. wrong, Mm -hmm. right? Right. Um, but, But even beyond that, it's I'm disagreeing with what God says, right? God made my body on purpose for a purpose. And you know, there's a really popular concept in our culture right now that as Christians, we all know it's not the best, right? It's the my truth. You know, well, mm-hmm. my truth and your truth. And, and you know, as so Christians, we're like, well, God's truth. God's truth trumps it all, right? It's not my truth. It's God's truth. And yet, in the arena of body image, I found that most of us are very comfortable living with our own truths about our bodies, right? (laughs) Like, I know God says it's good enough, but my truth is it would be better if it were X number of pounds Mm. smaller. I know that God made me on purpose for a purpose, but I know I could better do his purpose if I were more toned and had abs that look different, right? And and so it's so subtle, right? And we love to just slap the word health on it all. I mean, I mm-hmm. when I speak to women, I'm always like, so who wants to be smaller like so you can be healthier? And everyone like raises their hand. And they're like, okay, now let's be really honest here. Who wants to be, you know, a different size so you can be hotter? Right? And, like, and I've got a couple that will confess like, okay, Heather, you got me. Like it's, it's really, you know, like it'd be nice to be healthier. But boy, I want like back to your first question, I want people to notice. I kind of like for people to say, mm-hmm. you look good. Wow. I'd like mm-hmm. for my husband to think, wow, she looks great. Like, And those aren't bad desires, right? They're just not ultimate desires. Mm-hmm. And I think whenever we mess with our food and have to pay so much attention to our bodies, we make it an ultimate thing and it 
kind of overshadows everything else in life. Like I've never been able to go on a diet and at the same time really focus on loving my neighbors well. I'm Mm -hmm. sorry. I've got food planning to do. (laughs) I've got to figure out how to fit in this exercise. Like this is going to have to be me time. And again, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with exercising or planning your food, right? You hear me, hear me clearly on that. Mm -hmm. But when it becomes this ultimate goal, this, I have to do this, I have to change. Really what we're saying is this is what will save me. And that's why it's necessary. Mm -hmm. Have to do this. And I, I have to believe that Jesus is saying, oh, no, I've already saved you, right? Like take care of your body, sure. Like, eat what makes you feel good, sure. Move your body, sure. But you don't need that to be saved. I just want you to love me and love others well, you know, and use the body I gave you. And and it takes the pressure off, I think, when we can have that mentality. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for me, the destructive thing sometimes comes in the crash. So on, when I'm on the high and somebody says, look how disciplined you are, look how great this is, um, way to go. I When I'm coming back down the slope, the self-talk is you're, you messed up. You don't have the power. You have failed yourself. All of those things. And each time, just like the cycle of dieting, I have found that each time it's been harder to <laughs> climb back out of that pit. And that was ultimately what led me to say, enough of this. I'm not going to go down in that pit anymore. That shame, self-shaming. I know that you don't reverse it, though, and turn it into uh, mantras where you stand in the mirror and say, I love myself, I love myself, I love myself three times every morning. So tell me a little bit more about that and why it's not exactly, because I know this is in your book and I know you you talk about what self-love really is. Yeah, you know, so... So self-love, actually, this kind of ties perfectly with what you were just saying about the shame, right? I think most of us want to change our bodies because of the shame we feel, right? And we believe cultures lie that there is a certain body size or type or look that we could get to where we would no longer feel shame. Mm-hmm. And that's not the way it works, <laughs> right? <laughs> Supermodels still struggle with body image. Carrie Underwood, uh, Taylor Swift, like these these women that we culturally would say are beautiful and have perfect bodies, quote unquote, struggle with body image and food stuff, right? And so shame doesn't mm-hmm. disappear when you look like Taylor Swift. And so, yeah, the, so the, the myth of self-love is really that there is this opportunity for you to love yourself so much that you can get rid of all the shame. And the challenge is that you can begin to love yourself more and more and more. But I think where you find yourself isn't free of shame. You find yourself in pride, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that narcissism even, right? Narcissist <laughs> looked in, in the reflecting pool and he fell in love with his reflection, <laughs> right? So he loved himself well and then ultimately he melted or something. I don't really remember the end of the story, uh, but I, I, I did, maybe didn't go well for him. No, let's just put it that way. Yeah. But, but we we can't overcome shame with with pride. We can't stand and just oh, I love me so much. And I mean, you know, I, I think of you see this a lot in I'm going to say the fat positivity movement, right? There's mm-hmm. there's this like I'm going to give the middle finger to anyone who doesn't say I look good. 
And I don't think that's biblical either. I mean, I do think God created us a variety of sizes and shapes. And not everyone should be wearing a single digit size and, and, and look like the people on television. <laughs> right. But at the same time, right, like being overly um, prideful about having a large body is just as wrong as being overly prideful about having a small mm. body. Right. And so what does God call us to? He calls us to just like thrive in the way he made us. <laughs> Big or small, short or tall. <laughs> right. Yeah. So are you saying that it becomes less of a focus like all day long? Because like, I don't know. Here's a true confession for me. When I'm out and about shopping and going in and out of places, you can always see yourself in the Man. door, you know, reflection. I don't know why I'm always so drawn to just look at how I look in that reflection. And so... Is it like a diminishing some of that body checking stuff? Yeah. So, so I was just going to say, I was going to say that's called body checking. And when I work with clients, like we work specifically around like trying not to do that. Right. Yeah. Um, so in, in, in books for men who struggle with lust, or you maybe you've even heard this in church. I, I know I did. Right. Men are directed that when they struggle with lust, they see the beautiful woman and they have to bounce their eyes, the bounce. Right. Because the second look is where you're sitting. Right. The first look, you know, you're going to notice beauty. But the second look is where you're sitting. And I kind of feel like the same applies to body checking. Right. You might notice. But it's that second look that's going to take you in that negative spiral. Right. It's that second look where you're going to start disagreeing with what God says about your body and right. start <laughs> and start the negative self-talk and, and feel the shame and hear the condemnation. Right. And and so what I encourage women to do is to, to not stare. Um, there's a verse, Psalm 34, 5. Those who look to the Lord will be radiant. And I had a, a former model. She was on the cover of like Seventeen magazine, all kinds of magazines back in her heyday. She was on my show. And she talked about how she had a really bad problem with like beyond acne, just like skin mm -hmm. issues that were just had taken over her, her whole face. And she did a mirror fast for 30 days. And she talks about how the end of the mirror fast, her skin issue hadn't necessarily changed. But she was at school picking up a kid. And a friend was like, you're just beaming. You're just so radiant. Mm -hmm. And she was like, you know, the difference between spending 30 days looking in the mirror, focusing on how horrible my skin looked, how, you know, irritated and red and unattractive it was. And instead, spending the time thinking about looking to the Lord is my radiance and then have this friend notice that she was glowing. I just, I think that's the perfect story, the perfect illustration of, of if we're looking at ourselves, especially as we get older, Michelle, let's just be real, right? The longer <laughs> I stare in the mirror, the more I will find to be unhappy about. Right? Yeah, things have moved around a lot <laughs> for me in menopause. Yep. My body shape has changed yep. a lot. Yep. Oh, yeah. me too. I don't, I don't know what clothes I'm supposed to wear. Like I look at things that I used to wear <laughs> because the way they were cut, I was like, oh, that'll work for my body. And now I buy them and I'm like, oh, what was I see? That I don't, I don't have that. That's not my shape anymore. So I get it. I get it. Yeah. Shopping is something that is also a challenge for, for some people with um, really focusing on body because you have to go try things on. And um, for me, I've been, I go for comfort now. <laughs> it's really comfort. So I know that in your book, you put the idea, the concept of this workbook in a 40-day journey. So I'd love to know why you chose that structure. What's significant about that? 
Yeah, I wish I could give you like a really um, deep and wise answer (laughs) on that. Like the significance is this. But but the significance is really just that it's a journey. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I I even say this in the intro to the book, like some of the days aren't going to be a pure day. Right? Like you're going to need <laughs> right. to sit with some of the days for a couple of days or a week even. But I do think there's something to kind of knowing where you're at on the journey and having like a goal of, okay, you know, I've made it this far. I can keep going. So I think there's something psychological that keeps mm-hmm. us keeps us going there, keeps us working towards a goal. But the truth is you're even, even at the end of my book, I'd love to say you're done, you're healed, you're fixed. <laughs> you never think about your body again after you get to page 230. And, and that wouldn't be true. Like, the, I'm setting you up in this book for a lifelong journey, right? Because like, like you've experienced, you have days where you're just like, I feel free. This is mm-hmm. awesome. I don't worry about mm-hmm. this anymore. And then you walk by the world's largest reflective glass in a building and you're like, whoa, <laughs> what have I been doing? Right. Have I made a big mistake? <laughs> like, what's going on here? And, you know, it's, so, it's just part of the journey and, and recognizing that, you know, our feelings do change. <laughs> You know, and and so we can't always trust them. They're worth being curious about, but um, <laughs> but but ultimately, like leaning on and believing. Okay, what does God say about me? What does God think about me? That's what God thinks about me is so much more important than what I think about me. And so today, I'm going to choose His opinion over mine. And even though mine mine's not very high right now, <laughs> I'm just I'm going to go with His. <laughs> well, that really shows that you've taken you've really incorporated biblical truth into that journey of self-improvement. In the Bible, some people's journeys were 40 days, Mm -hmm. like in the wilderness, Jesus was 40 days. And then there's some that were 40 years, Mm -hmm. like the Israelites wandering. So uh, the number 40 is significant in the Bible, but the time length is quite varied. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We've talked about relationship with food, and we've talked about some social pressures. I'd like to finish our time today really focusing on your body image workbook. So I'd love to know what you hope readers will take away and implement in their lives as a result of using this workbook. I really hope that they will feel the hope. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. Because so many women I meet think that there's no hope in this area. Mm -hmm. Or they believe their only hope is changing their body. And then I actually work with many women who have changed their body. You know, maybe they met that weight loss goal or fitness goal 10, 15 years ago. And they come to me saying, Heather, you know, I've I've been there. I I met the goal and I know it didn't work. And and that was the last card I had to play. And I'm like, I don't know what Mm -hmm. else to do to make me feel better about my body because there's nothing else I can do to change it. Or they've had surgery. I, I meet those women all the time, too. I had this surgery. I paid all this money and I thought this was going to fix it because I've been insecure about this body part for so long and I thought I was never going to be insecure about it anymore. And all I think about is this body part. Mm. What do I do now? And so my goal is to give these women hope, right, that the answers culture has tried to tell us are the solutions, right? They've tried to tell us, like, just lose the weight or, you know, get the procedure, right, and make you feel good. There's nothing inherently sinful about those solutions, but they're not the answer we're really seeking. Mm-hmm. Because really underneath our body image struggles is really just a desire to know that we are loved, that we are seen, that we are known, <laughs> that we are accepted, right? And, and ultimately, the acceptance, approval, love we need 
it's never going to be satisfying, even even if we make the whole crowd happy, right? Like I often ask women, you know, like, well, whose approval are you seeking? Like, who do you want to think you look good? Because they'll tell me, you know, my husband's fine with how I look. I'm like, okay, are your kids upset about how you look? No, no, my kids are fine with how I look. You know, like, who is it? Mm-hmm. And they'll just be like, everybody. I'm like, what, every, like, who is everybody? What's well, everybody? <laughs> it's like, but we, you're going to all this trouble to make happy a faceless girl. <laughs> like, one, like, <laughs> like and, and so just really redirecting to, like, whose approval do we really need? Right. Or like as, as Paul says, if I were still trying to get the approval of man, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. Yeah. Right. Like, yikes. Oh, I don't mm, like so that true. language. But right. but savoring his wrath, feeling his love, like that's what I want women to walk away from this. Yes. OK, there's some specific challenges we have around body image and we're going to talk through them. We're going to figure out where they started. We're going to talk about things we believe that are not true about ourselves. You know, we're going to talk about things we've heard in culture and why, you know, that doesn't mesh with God's word. We're going to talk about food and how we've gotten it wrong on that. We're going to go to all those places. But at the end, at the end of the day, at the end of the journey, my hope is that I'm teaching you to put your faith more in Jesus than in body change or body improvement, because he's the one that that will give you everything you desire. He's the one that will satisfy. No amount of body change can, can ever satisfy like he does. Mm-hmm. You have some really practical things that the readers will do. Um, there's some journaling to do. You have some assessments we can take. I actually took the the initial one. And, you know, I at first I answered it as if I were three years okay. ago. And I definitely fell in the top. I can't remember that. I don't have it in front of me. But the three levels, I fell in the one that has the most complex about body image. Body image is your beast, I think it was. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then now looking at it, I'm in that middle mm. one. Uh, it's not a non-issue, but I definitely have seen significant changes. So it was kind of fun to take that assessment. But throughout the book, there's there's a practical application in every chapter. Uh, I'm curious, as you were writing it, as a fellow writer, I know that sometimes when I'm writing about something, it really, it brings up something in me that I have to wrestle through. So was there anything significant that had an impact on you as you were writing that you really had to work through as you were putting this on paper? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I always gain weight when I write a book. And I'm not weighing. <laughs> it's so hard to keep wait, that schedule. I'm not weighing myself anymore, but I know because the pants don't fit. <laughs> but, right. So I'm like, you know, and and even in that, and I talk about, actually, I share that in the book. Freedom to me does not mean you never think about your body again, right? Freedom mm-hmm. to me is you have the tools that you need to be able to to fight when the temptation comes when those negative thoughts come you know what to do with them you know how to answer them you know what you you know you know what to do when everyone around you has gone on a diet and has lost a bazillion pounds and you're the only one who hasn't you know how to handle that um and and that's i think that's really the the practical like life Lifelong journey mm-hmm. is, is is just having having the tools you need, and that's what I'm hoping to provide here. And yeah, and so so for me, I'm still using those tools. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're working for me too. So 2024, what could be different for somebody mm-hmm. who has had a lifelong struggle with body image? What could be different if they take these initial steps? Yeah. What do you envision for that person's life? Yeah. 
Well, I, I think the freedom that you get when you clear up the mental space given to body image and food issues is, is it, it's just, it's so hard to even describe, Michelle. It is. I mean, I, I'm right yeah, with you on that. I'm asking you a hard question, Heather. <laughs> but because it, it, well, there's a, there's a famous quote, and I used it in my first book, what you think about in your solitude is your religion. Right. And I would have told you I was a Christian. But my real religion, what I thought about in my solitude and, and really even when other people were around <laughs> was, was my body and my food. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's so time consuming. It weighs so heavily on us. It's a big old heavy burden that we carry. And so my hope would be to shine some light on the insanity right? Mm-hmm. I'm not calling anyone insane, but I'm calling the way our culture treats this stuff as insane, yes, right? Yes. We, You know, I, I, you talk about this in the book, like in 1993, I was told to not eat avocados and eat plain bagels if I wanted to be thin. And then in 2013, I was making fat bombs in my kitchen. <laughs> right? Because that's how I was supposed to be thin. Like we have been jerked around, right? <laughs> and so I want through this book to shine the light on the ways that we have been just following culture and what culture says we should look like and what culture says we should eat and how culture says we need to appear in order to be accepted and loved. Shine the light on all that and also shine the light on what scripture actually tells us is true. And so my hope for that woman who wants to do it differently in 2024 is that she would get this book and she would have aha moments like, oh, wow. That is kind of silly. <laughs> that is kind of silly that I believe that or think that. You know, and, and most of the women I talk to, and I'm, I'm sure your listeners are right in this category, like we know the truth, right? We know mm-hmm. we're fearfully and wonderfully made, right? We, we know these things and yet getting our hearts to believe them, mm-hmm. their story. And so, mm-hmm. so that's my hope to give, give the tools, the information, the scripture and the exercises to this year, 2024, go from it just being head knowledge, what scripture says about you and your body, to it being heart knowledge, so you can live like it's true. This is a reversal of mindset. So instead of the 30-day shred, <laughs> which sounds really awful for our body, we're going to shred the mindsets. Is that what you're saying? Love it. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to shred that. And then, listener, for those of you who are here with us right now, I want to encourage you to think about it and think about what your life could be like if you weren't spending that time counting calories and you were able to release some of those things. And I want to encourage you to set aside the shoulds because for me, the biggest barrier was in hearing the voices of doctors and people who tell me I should be a different body size and um, to really just like stop thinking about it through that filter of all the things I've incorporated through my whole life and say, what if I were starting my life today what would I want this to be like? And that's what really has helped me change my mindset around body image and dieting is to not look at the 50 years I wasted. And okay, Heather, you're going to probably challenge me on changing the word wasted, right? <laughs> because yeah, but you know, it, it's, I, I love the scripture that says that the Lord will restore the years the locusts have eaten. Yes, I love that one right? too. Because that's how I look yep. at my, all those yep. years that I spent obsessing over my body too. I just, Pray that God will restore those years. 
Yeah, I mean, if the Israelites wandered for 40 years in the desert and then they stepped into the promised land, there's hope that if we have wandered around here, there is still hope. So the rest of our life does not have to be in the bondage that we experienced in the first half of our life. I want listeners to be able to connect with you, Heather, because you have so many more resources. So where do you send people online to connect with you? Yeah, so you can find me at improvebodyimage.com. And my podcast is called Compared to Who, and you can find that through uh, through the website. I also have an online course and a coaching program. I do both group and individual coaching. And this is my third book on the topic of body image and comparison. And I have a book on aging that comes out in April. So um, I was curious yeah. about that. I wondered what the next yeah, one was Yeah, be. it's a devotional, 30-day devotional on aging for women ages 45 to 60. So that. That midlife menopause sweet yeah. spot there. <laughs> so. That sounds good. That sounds really good. So I will link to that in the show notes. I'll link to your previous interview on here. Wonderful. I will also link to the book. Uh, listeners, when you're hearing this, the book has just been released and it is available. I encourage you to make this your gift to yourself going into the new year that you give yourself at least 40 days of walking a new journey. And um, then report back to Heather or report back to me and tell us some of the things that were like the struggles you've had during that process, because we can relate to those. Yes. And tell us the victories that you had in that process, because we'd love to hear those. So, um, Heather, as we wrap up and leave here, do you have any parting words you want to leave? You've given so many words of wisdom that I think you've given all the fantastic nuggets. But if you have any more for us, you know, I, I will just I'd love to leave with this thought. Right. We put faith in so many other things. Right. Why not believe the gospel and and just put faith in the Lord that he can fix this part of us, too? He can. Mm, thank you so yeah. much. Thank you for sharing your words of wisdom. And thank you for just putting yourself out there in a way that you're vulnerable. But then that passion becomes something that helps us, mm. too. Thanks, Michelle. Thanks for having me. Heather's book is called The 40-Day Body Image Workbook, Hope for Christian Women Who've Tried Everything. You'll find a link to Heather's website, her podcast, and the resources we talked about in this episode at michellerayburn.com slash 183. And I will um, make sure I have a link to the book there as well. So you'll find that there in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining me today. I want to wish you a happy new year. We're starting out 2024. I'm going to take a week or two off here at the beginning of the year just to regroup and get things set for my relaunch starting season seven, starting the next season. And then I will have an announcement about some of the small and big changes that are coming in this season. But I'll give you a little preview here. I'm looking at um, creating more blog type posts, more of a magazine format to go along with some of the topics that I cover. So I'll share about that when I have that set up. And then I'm also looking at doing even more solo episodes. And I still want to bring on guests occasionally, but not necessarily every other week like I have been throughout a lot of this season. So that's one of the changes coming. So thank you so much for being a faithful listener and supporting the show. I really appreciate having you here with me each week. I will see you in a couple weeks with a brand new season. You've been listening to Life Repurposed. If you'd like bonus resources sent to your inbox each week, be sure to sign up at michellerayburn.com.